If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. I'll be reading from the Amplified Version on that part. But I want to take a moment to say hello to all of you who are with us at One Cause Church for the very first time. Um, if, could you just raise your hand so we can acknowledge you and thank God for you here today? Are you here? We want to just welcome you and say thanks for being here with us today. We're glad to have you. And um, you are definitely an answer to our prayer, and we pray that your experience here will be one where you are touched by God's presence and feel very welcome. And uh, we just want you to know that we always have a seat for you here at One Cost Church, and we hope that you feel right at home. All right, God bless you. Today I want to, I've just titled this message today, Get Over It. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them, get over it. All right? There are these, uh, there's this monastery and these monks there. And this monk, they had a rule at this monastery that they had to take a vow of silence and they could say two words every seven years. Two words every seven years. So this monk gets his chance. Seven years goes by, not uttering a word. And finally came his day to say two words, and he said, bed hard. Another seven years goes by. And it was his turn to speak up again. His two words wherewith he said, food bad. Another seven years goes by, 21 years now, and finally he utters the words, I quit. His leader said, good, all you've ever done is complain. Today, you know, we see, we see behavior in our world, um, examples of behavior that Many times it's hard to explain or even hard to understand. Um, we see people lose it as if that is their right to do so. Um, I love this great country, don't you? Aren't you glad to be an American? I'm very happy to be an American. But, you know, we see, along with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, there seems to also be this apparent understanding that there's also a right to just lose it to on whoever you choose to lose it on, and they just have to deal with your indignation. And in our, in our culture, in our society, this is, it just seems everywhere. And I, when I see those kinds of things, it makes me go, what is going on? Why is this happening? Why are so many people walking around with chips on their shoulders? What's the deal? But Jesus talked about this. This Bible has lots to say about being offended. Now, that's what I want to talk to you today about, about being offended. And, I, and if you're here today and you're living the reality of living a, a, an offended life, I'm glad you came here today because God's grace is coming to you to help you. I'm not talking about moments of being offended. We all have those times. I'm just talking about the general flow of your life. Is the general flow of your life one that is offended? And unfortunately, I, as a pastor and being in full-time ministry for 18 years now, I've seen a lot of this has crept into the church amongst God's people who ought to be the happiest, most lovingest people on planet Earth, you know? Uh, you know, we see people driving their cars, pounding on their steering wheels, you know, driving aggressively, and 
offering up half of the peace sign to whoever they, they want to. But you, and maybe it, anybody driven long enough to experience the, somebody else's rage on the road? Hmm? Or if we're a little bit more honest today, maybe we could dig a little deeper and say, I've been that person that was outraged on the road and uh, vomited out some indignation for others to experience. But uh, listen, I, this, is, this is definitely a problem, especially for the believer. And offended, offended people wake up offended, Right? They just wake up that way, and their coworkers are offending, their family members are offending, their friends. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going right ever. So, but in this Bible that we follow, it's God's wisdom for us. It's his instructions for life. It's his blessings. And what we see here in the Word of God is God showing us a better life. You know, God really does have a great life for you to live. It's in him. Jesus pretty much summed it all up in one verse of Scripture in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He said, the thief, or the devil that is, comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have more abundantly. So here's the thing. One, a couple of things we learn from that Scripture. One, Jesus and the devil, they're not on the same team. All right, contrary to a lot of preaching out there. They're not on the same team. They're directly opposed to one another. But it also shows us that the devil has a plan for your life and God has a plan for your life. God's plan is one of abundant life. The enemy is one of ruin. Okay? And God's word, the scripture says it's a seed. I want, uh, Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives this story or this parable, if you would, about a man who went out to sow seed. He scattered seed and, and basically lists four types of areas that the, ski, that the seed fell on. And then he likens that, the disciples asked him to explain what that parable meant. And he was, said, the sower sows the word, that the word of God is a seed. All right? And then we're going to pick up in verse 16 in Mark chapter 4. It says, and in the same way the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. All right? That's good so far, right? The moment they hear the word, they accept it with joy. They're excited about hearing this truth coming into their lives. But then the very next verse says, and they have no real root in themselves. And so they endure for a little while. Then when trouble or persecution arises, on account of the word, they immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. Wow, that, that thing went south real quick, didn't it? I mean, they're excited about the Word, and when things are good, they're good. But when things go bad, they go right along with it. All right? So what it's teaching us is, is that they, are, they have victimized themselves to the whims of circumstances. They've, they've given over themselves to just whatever happens, right? We hear these kinds of phrases in life all the time. You know, well, it is what it is. What will be will be. Case or us or uh. You know, it's just the way it is. Everything happens for a reason. Oh. Right? Jesus teaches us that those persecutions, the trouble that comes, it arises on account of the Word. All right? Now, I know a lot of preachers that preach that trouble in your life comes as a lesson from God. 
and he orchestrates by his sovereign will all of these, uh, these events in your life to bring you closer to him, to teach you something, to bring you closer to him. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. All right? Now, just because the preacher says it doesn't mean it's right, except this preacher. <laughs> just kidding. No. Let, let's bring that back up for just a moment. I want you to notice that Jesus said trouble or persecution arises on account of what? The word, or the New King James says, for the word's sake. What the trouble and persecution comes to do is to take the word out of you. So it's not trying to bring you closer to God. It's actually trying to take you away from God. All right? That's the way of this world. That's what those things are. They're, they're not your friends. They're your enemy. Now, can we learn in every situation? Absolutely we can. But those things are not there to be your friend. They're there to take the word from you because if the word, which is a seed, can be taken from you before it takes root, then you cannot enjoy the effect and the influence of the word of God in your life. Right? So then we come up with excuses by our experiences and say, well, it must be God's will. No, nothing can be further from the truth. His word is his will. And this teaches us how we need to approach the Word of God because there are things coming to you that are trying to get the Word of God out of you because if you can get the Word out of you, then you don't get to live the kind of life God wants you to live because His life is known through His Word. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says that. It says that the Word is life to those who find it. It's health to all of their flesh. Even Peter told Jesus, he said, what, where would we go? Jesus said, do you want to go too? Because others had left Jesus. He said, do you want to go too? They said, Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life, right? So we know then there's this conflict between these two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. But if you're not careful, you'll get caught up standing somewhere in the middle of both things. And you don't have to. You don't have to be in the middle. You can truly take a step further into the realities of the kingdom of God and enjoy its benefits and remove yourself from the kingdom of this world. The God of this world, the little g, as the Bible calls the devil, the God of this world, is doing his best to get you to live an offended life. All right? Because it's at that moment that God's word stops its impact and its influence on your life. And it is there to produce ruin. Now, you know what? I believe that you're here today because you want to live a better life. Is that true? I'll give you one more chance to say amen. I believe that you're here today because you want to have a better life, right? I mean, you've made the effort to get here, right? You got up, you got dressed, got the kids around, whatever you had to do, you got here. And I believe it's because you want something great. You understand that the greater life is connected to God and his house and his people. And so the source of that better life is the word of God, absolutely. It's what keeps us on the path. David said it like this, that your word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. All right, this is good. Uh, could you pull up right quick? I didn't have this in my notes, but Psalm chapter 119, and I think it's either 68 or 168. So if you're, if you're living an offended life, then what, what's going to happen is, is that you're, uh, no, that's not it. That, that is a good verse of Scripture, though. You are, do, you are good and you do good. That's not it either. I don't know where it is. It's in, it's in the Scriptures. But it says this. 
It's somewhere in those 172 verses in Psalm chapter 119. It says, great peace have those who love your law or love your word, and nothing shall offend them. All right? Ah, 165, thank you. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble or nothing shall offend them. Isn't that powerful? So, so if you're living an offended life, then, then you need to understand what is really going on is that there is a lack of love for the Word of God. All right? Now, no one would ever want to admit that, <laughs> but that's what's going on. Great peace have those who love your word, your law, nothing shall offend them. That's powerful. All right? Now, Jesus takes us over. and uh, Go to Matthew chapter 24 for just a moment. Like I said, if you're living an offended life, then that offense then will reject, that offense in you will reject the word of God, and it won't bear the fruit that it can bear or that it needs to bear, wants to, that God wants it to bear for your life. And Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 4, and he goes, he's talking about the end times. And one of the signs of the end times, I want you to notice this. Look at verse 8. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, he's talking to his guys here. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Can I get an amen? You think you, re- you reckon that's where he said amen right there? Right? Can I get an amen, disciples? They're like, no, I don't want to say amen to that. Delivered up to tribulation and kill you? No, I, I, I don't think I'm going to say amen to that. Anyway, you'll be hated. Thank you for saying amen, though. I don't know why you did that, but I appreciate it. Then, then many, now look at this, and then many will be offended. So I would say, just by looking at our culture, our society, this is definitely true, right? This is definitely one of the signs that we're in the last days because there are so many people living offended lives. And Jesus said it's one of those signs. And now, I want you to look at Proverbs 18 for a moment. We've got a couple more scriptures. Proverbs 18, verse 19. This is the wisdom of Solomon we're going to look at. And look what he says. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Wow. Did you catch that? Did you catch the power of an offended life there? A brother that is offended is harder to win than a strong city. So a well-armed city is easier to conquer than someone with an offense. Hmm. And you see it. You see it in this world. You, you might have encountered, and I don't, and if, there, if this person is with you here today, you don't have to elbow them in the ribs or anything. Just keep looking forward. We all need this on one level ourselves, right? But you, you see this when you talk to offended people, you can know immediately that they're living an offended life by how they respond because nothing you say is right. You can compliment them, it offends them, right? You can offend them, and it offends them. It doesn't matter. You just can't win the deal when you're talking to someone or dealing with someone who is offended. Wow. I want to just give you a little practical thing maybe to do to help you. Whenever you're tempted to just rip into someone, first consider about this person as many good things about them as you possibly can. This might, for some people, it might take a lot of thinking. But first consider as many good things about them as you possibly can. Because, you know, invariably, by the time that you finish your inventory of good things, then you're going to have a lot truer perspective on the situation. And keep yourself from taking an offense, 
or even making irrational decisions. I mean, how many of us have all, if we're honest today, have said something that we wish we hadn't said, right? We got in the heat of the moment, we said something, and we go, why did I say that? I knew better than that. But we felt perfectly justified to do it in that moment, right? By something that was said to us or something that was done to us. And like I said, if we're not careful about that, we'll find ourselves acting like everyone else and just taking in everything. Luke chapter 17, bring that up. And this is something that Jesus said. And this is a warning for us um, so that we'll know what's really going on here. Uh, Luke's, uh, I mean, Jesus said this. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Isn't that encouraging, right? So if you are alive on planet Earth, offenses will come your way. That is a fact of life, right? I mean, if you're looking for reasons to be offended, it's not going to take you very long to find a reason, right? He said, it's impossible that offenses should, that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So they can come to you, but you choose whether they come just to you or you choose whether they go ahead and come through you. And you let that get on the inside of you, then it begins to affect how you deal with everything else in life, right? It taints everything about what God wants to do for you. All the joy and the peace and the love and, and faith in God, all those things are there to help you live this great life, this abundant life, but it's all tainted because you're ticked off, right? Or you just can't get over it. You can't let it go. And you felt justified the moment you do it, right? But just because you, just because you feel justified does not mean that you are justified to do it. All right? As a matter of fact, Jesus gives us no out here when it comes to being offended. The answer is, don't be offended. Period. You've got too much at stake. You've got a future to think about. You have a spouse and children and a career. You've got a life to think about way more than this little offense that you're just stuck on. This little hurt or that thing that was said to you or that thing that was done. And maybe, you know what, the feeling, maybe that indignation, that righteous indignation, there's a good anger, right? There is a good to be angry at the wrong kinds of things, but you can turn it the wrong way. You know, the Scripture says be angry and do not sin, right? We kind of leave that other part and just like the first part of it. Be angry, right? But do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, when I was growing up, I've told you this before, when I was growing up, my grandmother would always quote that scripture to me and my brother. I love my grandmother. You know, if you have a grandmother that's praying or a mother that's praying for you, you might as well just throw your hands up and surrender because you're not going to win that deal. Right? You're just not going to win that. You're coming into the kingdom of God, whether you like it or not. And my grandmother was, a, still is, a mighty, mighty woman of prayer. But she, she would tell us, me and my brother would be fighting, you know, and she'd say, no, 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 no. No. Scripture says. She'd always scare us with the one that where Jesus said, if you call your brother stupid or something, you'll be in danger of hellfire, right? And then, and then she would bring the other verse of Scripture, this verse of Scripture that says, this says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. So, boys, you gotta, you got to apologize to each other. you got to make it right. And, you know, that's actually a pretty good principle, to make everything right before the sun goes down. But, you know, my question was, but it's, what, it's, what happens if we fight after dark, Grandma? What if we happen after? What if we fight after the sun goes down? Is there no redemption for night fights? 
Got to wait till the next day. The sun goes up. <laughs> but that, that scripture is actually talking about our anger. What it's really saying is be angry and stay angry. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That is stay angry. Because the very next verse says, nor give place to the devil. So it's not just saying be angry at everything. It's saying be angry at the devil. All right? Remember what Joshua, remember they were pursuing the enemy? And the sun started going down. He said, no, 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 no. Uh-uh, not today. Sun, stand still. And our whole solar system came to a halt, and they spent the, the full next day, it was about almost a whole day, where they continued to pursue the enemy under the sunlight that was supposed to be long gone, but God honored this man of faith who said, no, it's not happening. The sun's not going to go down on our wrath today till we finish the enemy. All right? That's what that verse of Scripture is saying. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That is, get angry, stay angry at the right kinds of things. Don't give place to the devil. Isn't that good? All right? But, but turning that thing that is meant for the enemy on your brother and sister, ladies and gentlemen, these things shouldn't be. These things just shouldn't be. Because whether you like it or not as a believer, just look around you for a moment. Yeah, take a moment. Just look around. Look at the people that are around you. For eternity you're going to be with these people. So i got some advice for you. Learn to get along right now. All right? For eternity, you're going to be with one another. Let not your heart be troubled at that. For eternity. This is just a glimpse of what we're really going to experience not too far down the road. Jesus said offenses are going to come. So you can know that. Now I want to give you a couple of definitions. Is that, is that all right? Now I want to get the Greek word. In the Greek English dictionary, the Greek word for offended is the word scandalon. You can see what word we get from that. All right? Scandalon. S-K-A-N-D-A-L-O-N. I want you to listen to what scandalon means. It's used to describe a trigger on a trap on which bait is placed. And when it's touched by an animal or whatever poor creature comes in contact with it, it springs and it causes it to close, causing entrapment. This is what an offense does for you. You, are, you have taken the bait and now you're trapped. And the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy is trying to bait the people of God with offense. It just simply means you're trapped. If you're here today and you're offended, I want to tell you you're simply trapped. It also refers to the conduct of the one who has been trapped. In other words, people that are hurt hurt other people. Trapped, baited. The Random House Dictionary says it's resentful displeasure or to cause to fall into sinful ways, to be scandalized, to act injuriously or unjustly. Mm. Now, I, I uh, personally have experienced um, being offended and allowing that offense to, to work in my life for a period of time, unfortunately. And and this happened years and years ago when I was in, in the ministry, 
yeah, can you believe that, that a preacher could get offended? But I was, I was an associate pastor to a man. I loved him. I still do. still love him to this day. That uh, we, got, we were beginning a transition. I was actually going on staff at another church with another friend of ours. We're both we're all mutual friends. And the whole transition was going to be, we, we talked it out how we were going to do it. Because what I was doing at the time, as, as well as being his associate pastor, was also his worship leader as well. And we were just beginning to record a worship album, which I was very excited to do. And so we wanted to finish out that project. And then once we got that done, then I would transition on to this other church. Now, if any of you who are pastors here know that that kind of system usually doesn't work, and it didn't. Um, and it quickly got real weird as, as we began to head that way because I didn't want to leave the church um, without anything but the pastor's blessing on me because I loved him, honored him, and um, I was taught to do that. Uh, it's the right thing to do and not go until you're released by your pastor, and I, I completely honored that. And even though we had a lot of differences, you know, that's where submission is, is that's how you know you really submitted that. Because submission isn't just agreeing. Submission is actually following even when you don't agree, right? So I was submitted. And after a while, I got a phone call. What, I mean, it was just a few days. He said, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and just say goodbye. You just go ahead and go and be part of the church, the other church. And I, I think it's better that we just go ahead and make this thing quick and easy and we'll just go on. I said, okay. I said, uh, what about the, 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 the worship album? You want to do that? And he said, no, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just do that. We'll do it ourselves. And I said, well, what songs are you going to use? He said, your songs. I said, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> At that time, I was, I'd written a lot of worship songs for church. I said, I, I'm, I'd rather be involved with that. Um, and, oh, Wow. It just got real ugly. And it, it shouldn't have, but it did. And our relationship became very strained, so so strained that our children were going to the same school together. So when I would see him in the morning, we'd drop off our children, I knew something was not going right on the inside of me because every time I see this guy, I would have this lava burning on the inside of me. And my heart would start racing and... And I, and I just knew, I was like, this, this is not right. But instead of, instead of doing something really about instead of seeing for what it really was, I just kept justifying the reason I was feeling that way. I kept making it okay for me to continue to feel this anger towards this man. And because I felt like I had been attacked, I feel like I'd been taken advantage of, and all those kinds of things. You see, you hear what I'm saying here, right? So I'm justifying why I'm feeling this way. And I hate feeling this way, but I feel like it's right. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is ruin or the end is destruction is what the Scripture says, right? And it got so much so that I was imagining myself, I hate admitting this to you, but I was, I was imagining myself having physical confrontations with this guy right? Just me and him all of a sudden being alone somewhere and just taking it out on him, right? This was my pastor, and I'm imagining I'm physically beating him, right? 
So one morning I'm getting ready for work, and the Lord begins to speak to me. And he says, how long are you going to let this fester in your life? How long are you going to do this? Because the only person that you're hurting here is you. The only progress that's being stopped is yours. Now, I have to say, I didn't like that. So I began to help God know the whole situation, right? But, Lord, you understand what he did. You understand what he did, right? You know, real maturity starts when you stop arguing with God, right? You show just how immature you are the moment you start. But, Lord, no, 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 you don't get it. (laughs) Really? He doesn't get it. Anyway, so I'm trying to justify all the reasons why I'm feeling that way. And as I'm, the more I'm talking, right, I realize I'm not going to change his mind. You know what I'm talking about? He's just not going to change his mind. So after I got through doing all of that and trying, inside I I was hearing him say, I was responding on the inside saying, he's right. This is right. You've got to stop. So I just looked at myself in the mirror and I told myself, you forgive today. And you're going to let this go today. You're not going to talk about it anymore. You're only going to say good things about this man, and that's how it's going to go from this day forward. That is what I choose. I am not going to let my relationship with God be hindered by an offense taken. I don't care how justified I feel about it. If God says it's not right, then I'm not justified in doing it. So I did. I mean, I'm telling you, it was completely by faith. It was not by feelings. And I I wish I could say that all the feelings just all of a sudden got real good about this guy, but they didn't. And I learned something about emotions that day and in that process is that they will follow your choices. Your feelings will follow your choices. But you can't wait for yourself to feel right before you make the choice. You make the choice and you make your feelings line up with your choice. So I did. I forgave him. And the next time I saw him, guess what I felt? Lava on the inside again. Right? And then I began to question, did I really forgive him? Did I really let this go? But I knew I had. So I said, no, no, no. I made myself walk up to him and shake his hand. Even, Even though everything, every feeling was wrong, right, about it. But I made myself walk up to him and shake his hand. And over time, time went by. Time went by. And every time I saw him, it got easier and easier, and easier, and easier. Until they opened up their church, a new building, and I went and saw him, and he put his arm around me. He said, Eric, would you pray for our new facilities here? And I knew everything was repaired. It was all restored. Everything was made right again. Now listen to me. You cannot afford one more minute, one more second to live an offended life. And if that's you today, if you're here and you're harboring stuff on the inside against somebody, I want to say today, stop justifying it and accept the truth of the Scripture so that you can be set free from that. Because it's not going to help you and it's not going to help anyone. And the Word of God comes to you today. It's His grace to say, let it go. All right? Listen, the Bible says, hey, Don't take revenge out of anyone. I am the avenger. Let God 
take up your case. Let God fight your battle for you. All right? He'll help you. He fights a lot better than you do anyway. Amen. I'm almost through. Everybody okay? Are you excited? See, the thing about being offended is offended people just don't have any grace in their lives. They just don't have any grace in them. You'll find that along with not being willing to be gracious to people, offended people are also people who are not grateful themselves. You don't hear them say thank you. You just don't, you just don't get that kind of attitude from them. And those two things work hand in hand. Because the mo- if somebody is thankful, then that means they have received grace into their lives. right? Because thankfulness is our response to His grace, isn't it? That's why Thanksgiving is that the most holy thing that you can say. Even the Holy Spirit, when you pray in the Spirit, Scripture says, Paul says, you give thanks well when you pray in the Spirit. So it's, if the Holy Spirit's prayer is Thanksgiving, I would say that's a really holy prayer. Right? As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Now let us offer continually the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto his name. It's the, only, it's the best response that we can give to God for the great grace that's come to us. So if somebody's not grateful, that means they have not received God's grace. And if they have not received God's grace, then they cannot give God's grace because you cannot give what you don't have. Right? So those two things work hand in hand. The word grace, the Greek word is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, and the word for thanksgiving is E-U-C-H-A-R-I-S-I-T-A, Eucharistia. So they're very close kin to one another. So you have to receive it in order to give it. And you'll see that in one of the first stages in understanding that if, if today you're thinking, well, I mean, we all know if we're living an offended life, but if you need some help identifying, the first thing to go is pleasure. You live displeased. Everything displeases you. All right? That's a sign that you're an offended person. And like I said, I'm not talking about moments. Did Jesus ever get displeased? You better believe he did. You better believe he did. Remember when he came into the temple that day and he sees all these guys selling stuff in the house of God and exchanging uh, uh, money changers and all that? And the scripture says that he sat down, went outside. Check this out. Look how calculated his anger is, right? I love this about Jesus. He goes outside and he sits down and he starts constructing a whip. First of all, where did he get the materials? I don't know. I mean, he had to take the time to gather the materials and then start constructing, braiding of this whip. And imagine that as he's doing it, he's saying, that guy's getting it first. Then I'm going to knock that guy in the back with this thing. And that guy's, right? So he finally gets this whip and then he goes into the house of God and he begins pushing over the, the, the tables and driving them out with this whip. And he says, but my... My father's house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves, right? I mean, he is outraged. But he got over it. Thank God he did. Thank God Jesus didn't carry resentment around with him. So when the lady with the issue of blood a few days later came up and grabbed a hold of his, his, the hem of his garment, he didn't say, back off. Don't you know I've had a few bad days? Get away from me. What are you doing pulling on my robe? Right? That's ridiculous to think like that, but hey. We expect Jesus to get over it, and we're glad he did, right? But the Scripture says, as he is, so are you in this world. So if you expect it out of him, then he can expect it out of you. 
And the Scripture says that as God has forgiven us, so we forgive others. And it's a good thing we don't live under the law today. Because under the law it was, you don't get forgiveness until you forgive. Right? That's how it was under the context of the law. Everything was about your performance. Everything's about your works. You don't get good stuff until you do good stuff. If you obey, then you get blessed. If you disobey, you don't get blessed. You get cursed. But thank God, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So now Ephesians chapter 4, our reality as believers today is Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So God's not waiting to forgive you after you forgive others. He has forgiven you. Thank God. So we respond out of, that, out of gratitude to his forgiveness in our lives because we've received it. Now we are able to give it. You get that? Amen. Let's bow our heads for just a moment today. I want to remind you today as we're all just pondering for just a second, just because an offense comes to you doesn't mean it has to go through you. The trap is set. The trigger is poised. The bait is laid. What will you do when the offense comes? You don't have to take the bait. You don't have to let it get inside of you. You can truly choose to get over it. By God's grace, by His help. Today, I believe that I've spoken to you on some level. Today, maybe you're here and this has been your reality. You've been walking around the short fuse and everybody's just had to deal with your funky attitude. But today, you're here and I want to encourage you to receive the truth. Jesus said it's the truth that you know that will set you free. God has brought knowledge to you today. He's brought his wisdom to you so that you could be set free at this moment. And by faith in him, with every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, between me and you and God, if you're here and you say, Pastor Eric, I need to let things go. I've been harboring things. I've chosen to be offended and it's been wrecking stuff in my life. And today, I'm choosing to repent. I'm choosing to change today. I'm receiving God's truth into my life to take root so I can truly live this better life. If that's you, would you please raise your hand today? I want to pray for you, all right? Just, just right where you're sitting from, right where you're sitting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I thank you now for all these who have raised their hand today in this building. Lord, I thank you right now that grace and peace comes to them abundantly from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That by faith, they let these things go. I want to encourage you today. The Bible says, cast your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Jesus invites you to come to Him so that you can receive rest. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. There are things, offenses are things that are too heavy for you to carry. But man, you got a mad grip on them. Paul said, let it go. Let us lay aside every weight. 
and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember whose you are. Remember why you're here. Remember who you are and whose you are. Remember it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, and that you have a race to run. You've got a race to finish. Lay aside this stuff now by faith in God, by your choice now, and watch all your feelings and everything begin to come into order. Amen. I thank you, Lord, for healing hearts today. I thank you for restoration. I thank you, God, that you do what only you can do here for the human heart. That you hold it in your hand, Father, and you mold it and shape it into your will. I thank you, Lord, that you are a very present help even in time of need. And you're ministering to these here today. Those who have been hurt, God, that they will leave here healed and whole today. Those that have been burdened, that they will leave here free from the heaviness and the weight that has kept them down. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.